Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This is the broadcast for March 6th in the year of our Lord, 2023. This is our one of two in the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to use the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by our founding fathers in the supreme law of the land to restore America. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a word you're not allowed to say anymore, they claim. They say it's racist and bigoted and hate-filled, but I disagree. I am an American, and I love America. And, yes, she's fallen far. That's a sad tale of truth that we must deal with, but at the same time, I pray for her. I pray for us. I pray that we all can come to our senses before we lose the greatest country, providing more liberty, more freedom, more prosperity, more stability to more people in the history of the world than any other example in history. The supreme law of the land with checks and balances, chaining down bureaucrats everywhere, rejecting revolution, standing for peaceful restoration is the great key. Turning to God Almighty instead of government, turning to God, family, and country is the solution. We've got a lot to cover today, not near enough time to cover it. Dr. Scott Bradley's with us, freedomsrisingsun.com, his incredible to preserve the nation series for homeschoolers and collegiates and everybody in between, available at freedomsrisingsun.com. Dr. Welcome. Well, thank you very much, Sam, and good morning to all. Uh, very often I start my little uh, tirade <laughs> on a lighter note. Um, winter continues in my neck of the woods. We woke up to uh, nine inches of new snow yesterday. I think we've got three or four new this morning. I haven't gone out and measured it, but it continues to snow even as we speak. And uh, it is the long, hard winter. Maybe, uh, maybe this is a harbinger of something. I don't know. Uh, global warming? I guess I'm getting tired of shoveling the global warming. We need something else to happen. So, but then, oh, just, I gotta, I gotta mention it, Sam, just a couple of little items, and I know we've got a guest waiting in the wings here, but uh, I think we need to, as Americans, recur often to things in history that uh, have some significance, and, and of course, these are all deep subjects, but uh, March 6th is the anniversary of a lot of things, including me when I was in the military in 1970 in processing to a new base that I got injected with an experimental vaccine that they wouldn't tell us what it was about. I think I'm still suffering from the consequences of that stupidity. But March 6th also marks the anniversary, the 166th anniversary of the Dreadful Scott. I call it Dreadful Scott. The Dread Scott decision um, that uh, absolutely a horrifically bad Supreme Court decision. It uh, nullified the Northwest Ordinance, basically, on slavery, the uh, idea that, uh, well, it, it said nobody of African descent could be an American citizen. They, they just can't. And uh, so they closed the door on all of that stuff. It's an interesting study. People ought to read that over. It also marks the 187th anniversary. Hold on. Before we go into the Alamo, you can't go so fast on these. We've got to at least give it a little bit of well, discussion. Well, no, I know we got Dred lots Scott, to do, and I talk a lot. <laughs> Dred Scott versus Samford, 1857, folks. Look, this was a landmark betrayal 
uh, of the American people and God's children everywhere. Dr. Bradley, let's let's dig in just a teeny bit on this. I mean, I know we don't have forever, but we got to make sure people understand this is a betrayal of God's children, really the form of government that our founders set up. Oh, no question. In fact, uh, as the Constitution was being written in 18, excuse me, 1787, uh, the Northwest Ordinance of 1787 was passed through the existing Congress, and it set the uh, rules of engagement, if you will, for territories in the United States and coming into the United States. And it said <clears throat> this Northwest Territory area, which included Wisconsin, which enters into this uh, case, was to not have slavery. And uh, and so Dred Scott and his wife and two daughters were brought by their owner, if you will. I hesitate and chew my tongue when I say that at any time. Who can own people? But at any rate, government thinks it does, and we could talk about the 13th Amendment and all that kind of stuff and how the draft uh, basically is a complete abrogation of that. Anyway, so they spent a couple of years there, and there was there was laws that said if you spend an extended period of time in a free place, you're free. Uh, but uh, all of this stuff, uh, the, the Supreme Court tossed it. Uh, they did uh, uh, the Missouri Compromise the, the, uh, that said, oh, no, no, they can't, they can't do that thing. So all of these, all of the stuff that uh, was kind of a hinge point on this slavery issue was tossed by the Supreme Court. And it, it's just an example, I think a prime example, of how the Supreme Court really is stupid very often. They're not just stupid, they're arrogant, they're tyrants, everything else like that. I mean, look at the Roe v. Wade thing. And, um, I mean, it's just, uh, Judge Roberts is always saying, oh, it's settled law. What's the settled law? Are you kidding me? Bravo Sierra, I'm calling it out. These guys with the black robes think they can um, basically arrogantly decide what's right and what's wrong, and nobody else can ever question it. Well, the Dred Scott decision was supposed to, I mean, in the hopes of those that were doing it, settle this slavery thing once or for all. People of African descent cannot be U.S. citizens and cannot be free. Books closed. We're going to walk and away. And this is, this is where the American people always think the Supreme Court has the final say on everything, and that's, again, BS as well. The fact is, ladies and gentlemen, they should have pushed back on that then. We push back on that now, even when they call us racists because we stand with the Founding Fathers. Look, the whole preparation, the whole plan for the nation was all men are created equal. That doesn't mean that Scott Bradley's not taller than I am. It doesn't mean that he's not smarter than I am, although those things may be factual. The fact <laughs> of the matter is I thought what you were going to call him into question. <laughs> that, we've, that we've all been given, ladies and gentlemen, equal opportunity and rights before God as far as government is concerned. All right? And that's really what we teach and what we stand for while they call us racists. So I'm just saying to you right now, the headline that I wrote was this, shame. Dred Scott versus Sanford, 1857. The court's got it wrong. And to those of you who claim we ignore the courts or we think to take the law into our own hands, shame on you. If you think the court's always right, do you back the Dred Scott decision? Uh, if you do, wow, that's an interesting twist of fate, isn't it? Uh, anyway, we thought we'd focus on that a little bit and at least highlight. You got to understand it. You got to reject uh, the criminal minds uh, of those who uh, would divide and those who have hatred in their hearts. We also need to talk to me about the annual commemoration honoring the anniversary of the 1836 Battle 
of the Alamo, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, there's a huge celebration that took place through like February 23rd through today, Monday, March 6th, 2023. And these events bring the Alamo's unique story to life, inspire visitors, and honor all those who lived, fought, and died here, Dr. Bradley. Well, and and you talk about that commemoration, you know, that uh, they started here about a week ago. Uh, February 24th, 1836, uh, Will Travis, who was the commander of the uh, Alamo, it wasn't really a base, it was a, it was a church for crying out loud. They had holed up there 187 men, so a few women and children, of, of a little bit of food, and uh, they were surrounded by about 4,000 uh, members of, the, of Santa Ana's Mexican army. And uh, the whole series of what happened there, the the promises that had been made to the Americans that were there about their liberty and everything like that. Santa Ana was going to rule, uh, and uh, there was no independence or anything like that. They said, nope, we're going to go with what we were promised. Uh, clear back, I believe it was about 1823 when it was promised to them. But they had a revolution about every other year in Mexico, and nobody remembered what promises had been made by the previous government. Anyway, on the 24th of February, Will Travis, a young man, only 26 years old, Compare that to today. I mean, 26-year-olds today are all too often. I know there's some exceptions, but all too often they're snowflakes. They're willing to melt at the slightest idea that there's any fear or doubt or any kind of uh, risk or anything like that. And and they don't want to even be faced with having to uh, somehow, in their minds, uh, deal with any kinds of issues that aren't exactly the way they want them anyway. Little guy, not a little guy, but he was a great man, a brave man. He had, you know, his, he was mortal and he had lots of problems himself. But Will Travis, 26 years old, lieutenant colonel, he wrote this. Uh, I mean, you you need to get it out. I mean, I uh, people need to recognize what kind of stand was being made. They were going to be put to the sword. They had been told by Santa Anna, "You don't surrender now. When we get in there, we're going to kill all of you." That's that's the rules, man. So you know, none of this. Uh, Geneva Convention stuff. And on the 24th of February in 1836, he wrote a letter basically calling people to to their aid and uh, patriotism and everything like that. Interesting little brief letter. Well, a few days later, March 6th, uh, they were put to the sword. And uh, guys like former Congressman Davy Crockett, uh, Jim Bowie of the Knife fame, and uh, there was these guys were volunteers. Every one of them could have left earlier. I mean, they, they were given plenty of opportunities to boogie, but uh, nope, they stayed. Everyone was put to death, and Santa Ana's army was defeated not too much later, but uh, yeah, turned tail, and there's a whole interesting story about that and his pedophilia and all that kind of stuff. But nevertheless, today, March 6th, 187 years ago, uh, the brave men at the Alamo fell. Oh, by the way, there's a lot of politically, not a lot, but some politically correct um, concepts. Hey, can you go ahead and skip the break? Around. Go ahead and finish up, Dr. Bradley. Well, yeah, and we ought to move on to our guest. I mean, she's made time for us. But yeah, there's politically correct analysis that goes on with this thing. You know what? If you're going to be put to the sword and you don't take advantage of an opportunity to walk out and not have that happen, that speaks something about your... Um, Character, character, bravery, yeah, all those kind of things. That's for sure. And uh, I'm telling you, this uh, these things, we don't even think about them in America before, uh, nowadays. And 
So anyway, I thought, uh, let's bring them up. Let's just throw them out well, there. And, People can do their own research. And think about it. What if it was a loss, Dr. Bradley? What if they didn't stand up and or if they lost? Well, they in, in the world's eyes, they did lose. But they uh, kept but five, I don't think so. 4,000. No, I, I agree with you. But, but I mean, th- there's a there's a, a different scale people get weighed in. I mean, you know, we, we weigh scales in mortal view and eyes and everything like that. But these brave men that, that stood there, and they gave an opportunity for the rex, rest of the Texican army um, to to be able to gather and ultimately defeat Santa Ana. Uh, now, we, we had later problems because... When the Santa Hanna turned tail and ran back across south, so the the point did. is we lost the skirmish, we won the war, though. Yeah, true story. And, and, and I just want people to understand that because I don't think it was a loss. It's kind of like well, George Washington lost over and over and over too, didn't he? Yeah. Well, he sure I, that did. That comparison but long should run. not be lost on us, Doctor. You know, and I I was in you know I've been to the Alamo quite a number of times. I mean, not as many as I might want, and they're doing some real interesting things right now. I just had some family members that were down there that told me about some of the adjustments they're making. But I was there on, on March 6th. You know, I mean, it's kind of like ha- hallowed ground. I mean, hey man, this was I'm afraid the adjustments ago. they're making probably aren't going to be too flattering, though. Sad but true. Uh, you might be right. There may be some political correctness that there's in, enters into it. But there's a museum and so on they're doing. But it's uh, it's kind of, you know, if, you, if you've got something in your heart about liberty, I, I think you'll feel something there. But who knows? I mean, you know, a lot of that's been Well, we're going to highlight it. We're going to focus on it. We're not going to let it go. We're going to remember it, and we're going to take heart for heroes that have gone before us uh, and apply those same skills, that same fortitude, that same integrity as they did yesteryear. Speaking of that, our guest in a second, Chris Carlson was with me on Saturday, though, and we talked about the Ohio train derailment in detail. I call it reality check on the train wreck. If you want to check that out, you can do so. It's available at libertyroundtable.com or lovingliberty.net. We also talked to Peter Scoop Stanton, 75 Radio. We talked about the FBI's Washington field office confirmed that there may have been undercover officers and field agents. Yeah, government FBI sources who were mixed with the Patriots for January the 6th. They admitted it now in court, Daily Caller with the details. And it turns out the Bank of America worked with the FBI to literally turn in anybody who used a credit card or debit card around that time, put their name at the top of the list if they bought a gun. Yeah, no court order, no force. B of A, Bank of America just did that. We also talked about this whistleblower by the name of George Hill, a retired FBI supervisory Intelligence analysts testified to all the details in the House Judiciary Committee that, hey, the Bank of America gave the FBI and these groups the list of anybody who made these transactions. Yeah, it's a disgrace. We finally talked about it's a coin flip. 50% of murders in America now go unsolved as cases rise. CBS News with that piece. Folks, we're spiraling down into a third world country. I hate to say it. We also uh, talked about Discover Financial Services now joins a coalition of companies that intend to track firearm and firearm-related purchases at gun uh, shows or anywhere else. They're going to use a certain code. When you buy a gun or anything related to firearms with your credit card or debit card, they will use these international codes now to track your purchase. Yeah. Anyway, they're destroying everything we hold dear when it comes to 
to uh, our gun rights, doctor. Okay, uh, <clears throat> third-party access to these things. It's fascism, people. That is what it is, front and center. It's a collaboration between government and private businesses. This is what was, you know, you say, oh, those fascists, those goose-stepping Nazis and, you know, whatever, Mussolini and, and Hitler and those guys. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the way it is. In fascism, it's a public-private collaboration. That's what it is. Government forced no, partnership. Yeah, well, maybe not even forced. Some of these guys are, you know, they're collaborators because they want to be. They're they're Vici or or uh, or they're collaborators because they're afraid they'll be shut down and ran out of business if they don't. But yeah. it could be, could be. I mean, uh, so anyway, Vici and and uh, uh, what was his name in uh, in Norway? I said it, Quisling. Well, these guys collaborated with the Nazis when they came into town. Okay, so what happens is is these guys, these businesses are collaborating with the with the tyrants in the United States at this point, and it's just like just like what was arranged with the NSA and their collection of all metadata on communications that uh, the people have your email, your texts, your voice uh, messages, your yeah, conversations, everything. The NSA gets it. Oh no no no! They said we're not going to collect it anymore. Oh, Mike Lee, Utah Senator, saved us from that. They're not going to collect it. No, he didn't. The bill said they get it from third parties. So these private industry people collect this data on every single communication you do and provide it to the NSA to put in their big computers and build a dossier on you. This collaboration is fascist to the core. It's a public-private Well, criminal and it's treasonous is what it really is. Well, it's destroying everything Americanist and and uh, people private. Listen to this. I, people need to understand. Free societies do not build dossiers on their citizens, and that's exactly what is being done right now. Uh, you know what? If you hear of somebody that's doing that, I would. This is my personal opinion. This is what I would do. I wouldn't do business with them anymore. I mean, I think I'd vote with my dollars and my feet. And I would I would walk out. And and you know, a lot of people have done that at Disney. I think that they're. I think that yep, they're we need more up of it, that's for sure. We've yeah. got to stand anyway. up. But you know what? As society continues to melt down, our guest becomes so critical to understand, folks. Our guest is Marjorie Wildcraft, and she's founder and CEO of the Grow Network. You say, what's that? It's the largest online community of homesteaders. It really will be the gardeners who survive, folks. TheGrowNetwork.com. Marjorie has made it her lifelong mission to teach people how to grow their own food. Never has it been more important than it is now. Marjorie, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Hey, Sam, thanks for having me on. Yeah, nice, Scott. And you're, you're absolutely right. You're, you're not gonna make it through this decade if you're not growing your own food. And as, as you've been pointing out, um, we're at war. We're at war, folks. And uh, my, my job, uh, I very much appreciate everything you're talking about. My job has always been to handle the home front. Like what what do the women and children do? You know, how do you feed people? How do you take make medicine? How do you take care of your your elders or your children? And yeah, and that's a lot of what the Grow Network is about. And gardening is trans uh, transforming itself from basically a hobby in the past to really a life saving skill. It reminds me of what what do they call those things? Victory gardens, Marjorie. Yeah, you know, we're actually a lot more people think of us as gardening, but honestly, small livestock is going to produce you way more calories in less time. So chickens and rabbits and goats and sheep and wherever, 
you know, coil, whatever it is that you can fit into your spot. But, um, yeah, you know, for example, the, the train wreck, um, Pennsylvania and New York are three, are two of the top five food distribution centers in the United States. Uh, you know, several thousand food packing and distribution. Like, would you trust any food coming out of there right now uh, for the next couple of decades at least? You know, well, you wouldn't, I but I don't know what else you do because you don't even know where it's coming from nowadays. That's true, you know, right? But if you look on the bottom of a can or whatever bag, it's packed in Ohio or whatever, you're like, oh my God, no, you, you can take that back. <laughs> so, yeah, no, growing your own food has been essential for a long time because the commercial food supply, quite frankly, is either toxic or uh, has the void of nutrients. Uh, and, and now they're talking good- about distributing food with vaccines as part of the food, Marjorie. That's right. Yeah, they're talking about injecting them into animals. And I there was stuff on the Internet a while ago where, where Bill Gates, of course, was trying to breed types of uh, greens that had the vaccine in it. I'm like, I don't even know if that's real or not, but it wouldn't. I wouldn't and nothing would. I, I'm, I'm, no, it's, I'm it's real. They're working on it for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, Marjorie Wildcraft teaches people how to grow lots of food in a, quote, grid down situation, ladies and gentlemen. Even if they have no experience, even if they're older, out of shape, none of that really matters. She can teach and get it done regardless, folks. Uh, we got to ask questions, though. How much land does it take? Where is the best bug out locations in the United States? Where's the best place to be? Now, Joel Skousen wrote a book about that. He sure um, did, yeah. Uh, and it, it's a great book. But uh, let's start there. How much land does it take, and where's the best places to go in your mind? Well, you know, uh, I created a very simple system, three component system uh, with gardens, chickens, and rabbits that can produce half of your caloric intake uh, in, in a very, very small, like the size of three parking spots. So if you're living in a suburban area and you've got a backyard, you can produce a, an amazing amount of food in that. So you don't really need a lot of space. It is wonderful to have more acres because then you can have larger grazing animals and things like that. But honestly, you don't need a lot of space. And then I always get the question of what do we do in apartments? And there's a lot of things to do in apartments. Um, yeah, at that, it's at, at that link, backyardfoodproduction.com, I have that webinar where I show people that three-part system where you can get started. And I've always had a focus on, on, on good down because honestly – People usually aren't going to come to this unless they're under some sort of duress. And I, I think you've been reporting on the absolute degradation of our grid and, and power systems and the, and the fuel supply. I mean, we're, we're headed into, you know, a grid down situation on a more consistent basis. <laughs> we're, we, we've had a luxury of never having the grid down very much. And that's, a, that's changing big time. So, yeah. And I take people I've, I've always known, you know, I take people who know nothing uh, and they just want to get started. And regardless of the season or where you live, we're, we're a global organization, actually. So um, if you're in the south, in the north, anywhere in between, I can show you how to get started. Now, the, the, best, the best places to head out, right, if you're looking to buy property, that's actually almost a whole show or two on itself, but I can go over the thumbnail thing. There's the general guideline of a, a, tank, a tank of cast is about 600 miles, and you want to try and be 600 miles away from a major metropolitan area. There are some exceptions to that, like if you have a big mountain range between you and that big city uh, with with easy ways to defend it, like only one or two roads that come in. 
<laughs> in almost every little small prepper town I've ever been at, I guarantee you the men there have explosives and they know exactly what, what they're going to do when the time comes. So uh, chances are if you found a good place, there's already a good prepper community there. Um, a lot of the East Coast is off limits because of all the nuclear power plants that are there and sitting beside rivers and waterways that would become unbelievably polluted and contaminated. All right, Marjorie Wildcraft with us, ladies and gentlemen. Backyardfoodproduction.com. That's one place. Thegrownetwork.com, another place. There's a free webinar and more to help you get started. This is critical. Gardening used to be a hobby. Now it's a life-saving skill. Dr. Bradley, Sam Bushman, Marjorie Wildcraft on your radio. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Pry. Fires broke out at the site of a planned public safety training center near Atlanta, Georgia, after a protest led to clashes between police and protesters yesterday. The Atlanta Police Department said 35 people had been detained after violent agitators used the cover of a peaceful protest to conduct a coordinated attack on construction equipment and police officers. Investors will be listening closely to Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell when he testifies on Capitol Hill this week. Powell will testify tomorrow before the Senate Banking Committee, then return Thursday for the House Financial Services Panel. The Fed chair routinely briefs lawmakers twice a year. Look for key several financial reports, including factory orders today, trade balance and job openings tomorrow, jobless claims on Thursday, then Friday the February unemployment rate. January's rate was 3.4 percent, the lowest since 1969, a number for which President Biden was quick to take credit. I'm Richard Johnson. New York Democrat Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has killed more jobs in the Empire State than she has created. When she first joined Congress, she blocked Amazon from doing business in New York. According to Job Creators Network, AOC lost 25,000 jobs for New York City. That equaled $4 billion in lost wages and $12 billion of lost economic activity. Shark Tank investor Kevin O'Leary on CNN. I don't put companies here in New York anymore or in Massachusetts or in New Jersey or in California. Those states are uninvestable. The policy here is insane. The taxes are too high. Investing, uninvestable. She's great at killing jobs. She kills jobs by the thousands. AOC says when she opposed the Amazon project, it was because of a scam of public funds and claims she was right in doing so. Thanks for listening. This is USA News. What do you mean he went searching for fresher powder? We have full classes today. Instructor down at Vesper Ski School. Toward each other to snowplow, honey, not away. She needs more ski instructors to slalom through the day-to-day. Pizza? Fries? Whoa, Braley, no! Pizza, pizza! Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. We instantly connect you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Martha Stewart, and I have a question for you. You know that unwelcome guest everyone wishes would just leave already? That's COVID-19. That's why I got an updated booster designed to help protect against recent Omicron variants. Got it? Check eligibility and schedule your updated COVID booster at vaccines.gov. 
sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. This is the bottom line. Even the Christian news services, ladies and gentlemen, are funded by Big Pharma. You heard the last commercial on the break there. Shame on them. What do you do about it? Everybody tells me, Sam, you got to fix that. Nobody has a solution for me, though. Everybody loves to gripe and complain without solutions. Isn't that America today? Wow. Dr. Scott Bradley with me. Marjorie Wildcraft with me. We're talking about growing food. It's essential. We're talking about where do you need to be, ladies and gentlemen. How much land does it take? Where's the best bug out place and more? Marjorie, you were mentioning where the best bug out places are. You're saying, hey, the East Coast is pretty much out because of the... Um, uh, nuclear uh, substations and such like that. Uh, where's the best place to go? Yeah, also just because of your commercial, you were talking about the business. Oh, my God, most of those eastern states' business is terrible to, to be there. A lot of the western states, um, uh, west of the Mississippi, uh, Arkansas and some of that area, Tennessee, is also still valid. Uh, there are parts of Texas that are good, uh, definitely Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, Arizona, most of those areas. The key thing in all the Western states is you absolutely have to make sure you have several sources of water. And I've grown food in all kinds of places all over the planet. And I will say growing food in the desert is actually one of the more easier places if you have good, consistent, reliable water. And that's because there's less insect pressure and less weed pressure in, in a desert region. Don't you don't necessarily have to move to a desert. I just don't want you to be afraid of it. But absolutely, you have to have water. I would say the other most important thing is find a community. Uh, people often think of just well, I'm going to get the land, or I want to, you know, I want to get 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 out of town, or whatever. It, it, the community of people are going to be what help you survive through this whole thing. You can't grow food on your own realistically for long. It, it does take a community of people. And uh, one of my favorite things is to look at these small towns. Uh, by the way, I think a small town on the range of 1,500 to 15,000 population is a good viable size. You don't want any smaller and you don't want any larger. Uh, but look at the kind of festivals and events that they hold there. You know, are, you know, are, they, are they having uh, festivals around celebration of the, of the harvest or of you know apples or something you know is it something about production that they're doing locally or is their festival all about um you know a drag queen show or something which would be ridiculous but you know what i mean try to find a community and look at their you know look at their yeah and to your point about tennessee by the way bill lee find the first signed the first of its kind bill into law banning drag shows and other adult shows for children it's a start to make your point he's the only one in the country doing it yeah so there's, there's uh, you know, uh, uh, definitely this is a conversation we could spend a lot more time on. Uh, finding a, a small community uh, absolutely is going to, during the, I did a lot of reading of journals and historical of the Civil War in the United States here, not necessarily the battles, you know, that wasn't really what I was interested in. It was like how, you know, the families and, and what communities and how did they do and the women and the children. And some of the small towns that had a lot of self-reliance before the war that were sort of tucked off the way, they were the ones that did the best throughout the entire war. They, they really were able to get through it without a whole lot affecting them, whereas, you know, of course, uh, you know, it, was, it was horrible in a lot of other situations. So, Dr. Badley, uh, you're an expert in your own right regarding this. Well, I don't know. I, 
an expert is an X under pressure, I th- I've always heard. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, boy, there's so much. I mean, Marjorie's right. I mean, this is a uh, an absolutely, uh, there's a plethora of issues that need to be discussed. I mean, I, as I think, I'll just throw a few things out. I don't know that if any time wants to, anybody wants to go into depth on them. But every single time there's been a cataclysmic upheaval where society has been changed in modern history, it's always been, uh, there, there's been a famine associated with it. I mean, whether it's the French Revolution or the Bolshevik Revolution, Pol Pot's thing, uh, Chairman Mao's thing, all of those kind of things, they're contrived famines. And I think Marjorie's right. This We're being set up for this. I think about my mom uh, back in the Depression. Uh, they had a little, you know, uh, farm, you'd call it. I mean, five or ten acres. I don't remember. They had pigs and chickens and, and a cow, and they had uh, a grocery garden and all that kind of stuff. Mom said they never, never, they didn't think they were poor. One year they had a total of $50 to get them through the year. And every, uh, you know, every Sunday your dad went out to chicken coop, killed a couple of chickens, and her mom went down in the uh, root cellar, and they had a feast every every Sunday. Think about EMPs for a minute, uh, electromagnetic pulses, and what that would do on some of these large metro areas. I think about water. Uh, Utah's legislature just closed down from the annual session. And they have made a huge water grab this year. They're claiming the right to, under emergency conditions, who's the emergency decider? The governor. Governor gets to seize control of water. And I I have water rights on my ground. But he can say, oh, no, 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 we need that to go into the Great Salt Lake. And it's probably for lithium mining. But they can shut these things down. I think about uh, something, uh, someone that I knew years ago who's dead now that talked about uh, the situation after Nazi Germany shut down, how the people in the country, the farmers, everybody would, would leave town every morning to go out and try and trade whatever knickknacks they had for uh, for food. And he says, you know, it's kind of, you know, starving of farmers, almost like trying to drown a fish. I mean, you know, these kinds of things need to be talked about. And, oh, one other thing. I remember uh, one time our family was leaving the East Coast. Uh, the Garden State, New Jersey, was, oh, holy cow. We bought a bag of vegetables to eat while we were driving, you know, carrots and celery and stuff like that. And as we were leaving town, I noticed as I was nibbling on those things, my lips and my tongue went numb. I think that they had been uh, somehow polluted by some kind of, you know, I don't know, purposely or whatever, but they, they had stuff, chemicals on them. So you got to be sensitive to that kind of stuff. And all of these disasters, all of them, <laughs> we could talk about each one of those individually, I'm, pro- I'm sure, for the next several days. But Marjorie, anything to say about those things I've yep. kind of thrown out on the table? Uh, absolutely. We're in it right now. So I think everybody has noticed that the price of eggs has been obvious. And even the U.S. government is reporting it correctly. Isn't that amazing? You know, 244% the price of eggs increased in 2022, right? Most of the numbers the government is putting out is, like, really fictitious work. But, uh, uh, you know, meat, milk, vegetables, everything is going up in price. And that is a trend that is only going to continue and accelerate. And we have several reasons for that. One, of course, is the, uh, you know, the, the money printing is just going on endlessly. What, $4 trillion deficit last year, $3 trillion the year before that? So that that's just going to cause inflation and hyperinflation. Another thing people don't pay attention to, because our grocery stores have always pretty much had stuff in it, is that the global food production has been, 
way down, and a lot would say intentionally through weather manipulation, but there's drought or flooding or whatever going on. The southern hemisphere crops this year are not going to come in the way they expect. Uh, about a year ago, January, there was a volcano, uh, and I'm not going to probably get this name right, but Tumba Kumba, which blew up and in one day pumped so much water into the atmosphere that the, the global atmosphere now has 10% more water in it. And one of the things that did is up at the stratomesotere, um, there are tiny ice crystals that are damaging the ozone layer and the ozone hole is opening up again uh, along. And so the crops in the Southern hemisphere, which, which grow in the winter that we depend on, uh, their summertime, uh, are, are particularly like, you know, barley, corn, soy, are particularly sensitive to UVB radiation, which comes in when the ozone is open. So we have a physical damage happening there. But there's all other kinds of, of damage, and I'm sure you've reported on the fate of uh, burning or destruction of different food processing plants. Uh, we've been in drought for years and years and years in the West there, and crop production way down. The war in Ukraine with Russia uh, Ukraine used to be a huge bread, bread basket for, for a lot of the world, actually, and Russia was a big supplier of fertilizer. Now, Russia, Ukraine is, you know, I would doubt, I would guess maybe 15% of their land is going to be farmed this year, but you, you don't go farming when you're, you know, when you've got big blown up holes and you're worried about artillery or whatever, you know. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're not going to be producing anything. And, and Russia, of course, are they going to be sending out any fertilizers to anybody? Probably not. All, all across the world, and more and more countries are putting out export bans. They're like, hey, we got to feed our people. We're not going to be selling these grains or these pigs or this palm oil to you. So it, it is shutting down. And uh, we are in a time where it, we're in, in uh, rapid, rapid acceleration, I believe, and I'm, I'm looking for more substantial data on this, but I believe that we will start to see the food riots here in the United States in the summer. We'll, we'll see the panic buying, you know, in about May or June when people really figure this out. One small antidote, I was in Home Depot the other day. I got a new tool, an angle grinder, which I'd never had before. Oh my God, what an awesome tool, right? And I didn't know what head I needed for it. So I'm waiting for the Home Depot guy. And while I was there, two other guys come up and one goes, hey, here's what you need. And he gives them one disc. And the guy goes, let me grab that 10-pack. He said, these prices aren't ever going to go down. So, I mean, it's happening. Everybody's starting to, to do some level of, of, of stockpiling. And pretty soon with food, that is, it, people are going, it's, there's a larger and larger wake-up call going on across uh, America and, and the world. And, and I think Americans are waking up that we, we are at war. We're, we're at war. Like, just because... You, Back in the Revolutionary War days, it was great because they wore a red coat and you knew who to shoot. <laughs> you know, this war is entirely different. It actually doesn't really have a whole lot to do with weapons. It's more with the media and your mind and what do you believe and who do you hear, right? So, Marjorie uh, Wildcraft are- with us, ladies and gentlemen. She's founder and CEO of the Grow Network, the largest online community of homesteaders. It really will be the gardeners, folks, who survive. TheGrowNetwork.com. It's your life mission to teach people how to grow food, folks. Believe it or not, you can grow lots of food in a grid-down situation. Even if you have no experience, even if you're older, even if you're out of shape, backyardfoodproduction.com is where you can learn more about that. Uh, and Marjorie has put together 
a free webinar to help you kind of get your arms around this thing. And if you want to learn more, she's got an incredible training package. Uh, Mike Adams, who runs one of the networks that syndicates my show, he's nicknamed the Health Ranger, uh, is uh, promoting this series because it's so good. And so I want you to go uh, to uh, Mike Adams' site to learn more and get this book training package, etc. I don't want to compete with Mike on it. I want to just help drive traffic to what he's doing here. But, folks, we have the opportunity right now to educate ourselves and to potentially save the lives of our families, our communities. Famine is not a joke, folks. We have got to take this seriously. Dr. Bradley, it's not an if discussion. It's a when discussion, is it not? Oh, I, th I think absolutely. Like I say, every cataclysmic societal change in the last 250, 300 years at least has always been associated with some kind of food deal. Hamilton in uh, the Federalist Papers twice actually says a power over a man's subsistence is a power over the man. And, uh, and so we need to recognize that the people that are trying to do bad things to us, the gates from hell and those other people that you've talked about, um, they, they're, they're doing their darndest to, to disrupt the things that our society's always been founded on. Marjorie, I'm, I don't know how much expertise you have, and maybe I'm opening a, a can of worms here that needs a lot more time. But, uh, you know, I see, I, I don't have a greenhouse personally. I'm planning on having a couple in the near future. Uh, how's that for announcing on, on, on uh, nationwide radio? Anyway, you know, you see the ones that have got the, you know, the glass kind of things, the plexiglass look, the, the visqueen look and the, the tunnels, you know, with the, the uh, PVC pipe or, or a, a rigid frame. I mean, we've got a lot of snowfall. I don't know what you heard about what we're doing in our neck of the woods here, but we've got so much snow that we do have to have some ability to bear weight of that. But tell me what you're recommending for people in regards to greenhouse. And, and if you have a greenhouse, does that really magnify your capability of growing or are they too much trouble to work with oh my gosh you know a greenhouse is required for almost everybody believe it or not i was in costa rica for a while and they had greenhouses to keep the rain off because they had so much rain so there's there's a lot of reasons for greenhouses and i'll send you over to the living farm with lynn gillespie she's a good friend of mine for when i lived in colorado she has six different greenhouses that she grows in, all different kinds, experimenting with different ways to heat them. And she definitely is very familiar with snow load, uh, what types of materials, all the different, like the poly, polypurethane that you're talking about, as well as just the, the, uh, the plastic. The, the one thing about the glass greenhouses tend to get way, way, way hot, and then they're also susceptible to um, you know, hail damage. Again, one of the consequences of so much water vapor being in the atmosphere from that volcanic eruption is we're likely to see a lot more freak hailstorms this summer, uh, in, uh, spring and summer. Another thing is we may have another year, like in 1816, as a year without a summer. Uh, and yeah. again, I'm working with David Devine on this with ADAPT 2030. He also has a Brighton channel, uh, and that would be absolutely uh, horrific. I mean, people who don't have at least a couple of years with a food supply are not going to make it through that for sure. Yeah, the uh, mini ice, but, ice age. Yeah, in the yes, 18, mini ice age. 16, yeah, have him yeah. come on and talk about that. The, the consequences. Yeah, I used of to interview that, that a guy that had a book called "Not by Fire but by Ice" years ago. Ah, uh huh. So, Marjorie, give us that location in in uh, Colorado that the woman has some great greenhouse stuff because really, I. Uh, this is a, a big gap in my knowledge right now. I'm. Yeah, you know, what's her name again? 
Lynn, Lynn Gillespie, L-Y-N-N Gillespie, and her, I believe her channel or her, her website is The Living Farm, and it's in Paonia, Colorado, P-A-O-N-I-A, Colorado. And I have to say, um, gosh, I almost hate to, hate to blow this, but Paonia, Colorado is one of the best prepper locations in the U.S. It's I a livingfarm.org, is that right? That sounds right, yep. yep. No, thelivingfarm.org. Well, Colorado has got a screwed up political system, though. I mean, well, I don't want to, you know, all these. Yeah, no, they do. They absolutely do. (laughs) East of east of the east of the Rockies. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but Bobert's there, you know, and so she's. I mean, there they wear guns in her her restaurant. That's right. In Grand in Grand Junction, you know, people are walking around with open carry, and and the mayor is too. You know, so Colorado is a very divided between the, the eastern and the western so the western side is very freedom oriented uh, yeah most small towns in general i think have a lot more of a place to be independent streets than than the major metropolitan areas so to go back yeah, to the gillespie, Lynn, the gillespie family is, basically just so everybody yeah. knows the gillespie family <clears throat> bought a 130 acre farm near the base of this mountain in colorado and they've raised sheep, pigs, chickens, cows, hays, silage, grain. I mean, it just goes on and on. It's also raised four generations of Gillespie's, they say. Incredible. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've been to family events there. And actually, my company buys wool from Lynn to make, uh, we make a thing called a, a kidney wrap and then soul inserts and different things. Uh, and when I lived there, I was definitely on, on Lynn's uh, CSA. Lynn and I did a whole 33-episode uh, uh, gardening in Colorado thing called um, highperformancegardening.com where there's a series of 33. It's free. It's all free. If you want, if you live in in a northern temperate zone and you want to see starting from where there's like grass on the ground, how we did that, built a couple of raised beds, grew these these amazing amounts of vegetables, harvested it. We we did the whole thing over a 33. Lynn and I are joking around the whole time. Uh, that's at highperformancegardening.com. It, it's a free. It's a free series. And Lynn is awesome, just super, super knowledge. Tom, her husband, and her her, her boys, uh, incredible. Like they they will not notice much happening in the world. <laughs> they are totally self reliant, pretty much there. So, really good folks. But they have totally have it dialed in on greenhouses. Um, and Lynn used to do greenhouse workshops. Uh, you know, the whole COVID experience sort of screwed some things up. I I think she's back at it again. But definitely talk to Lynn. She's she's the best resource for that. Excellent. Does she Thank also you. do the High Performance Garden Show? Yes, she yeah, does. It's on there, and, uh, I think, on her site. Yeah. I'm just looking yep. at it. Yep. Yep. If you want to skip ahead not have to wait through the whole summer to see that, you can go to over highperformancegardening.com and see the whole. You can binge watch. <laughs> she also does, does the Abundance Garden course. Yeah. Yeah. She's um, got a lot of stuff going on. Just incredible stuff. Uh, you know, the problem yeah. is that the learning curve for this is so massive, it feels like, Marjorie. Well, that's that's why I have taken things and really distilled it down into simple step by step what you what you need to do. And I love Lynn and the gardening component. She and I are in complete agreement on the best gardening method for beginners and how to do it. Um, with the Grow Network, what I also offer uh, is that you know really chickens, rabbits, ducks, you know other livestock. I can give you one example. From a garden, if you've got like one or two growing seasons, you'll be able to get about 30 to 60,000 calories a year out of that. Uh, if you have a backyard flock of just six laying hens, 
you'll get about 94,000 calories out of that. They'll, they'll produce about 1,500 eggs for you, which, by the way, is three egg omelets every day for breakfast and 33 dozen eggs you can give away to friends. And a home rabbitry, which would be one buck and three breeding does, that's going to be about 234,000 calories, and that would be the equivalent of about 75 rabbits. And you think of a rabbit as, as very similar to a chicken in terms of meat, and even the way you cook it, all your chicken recipes can be completely replaced with, with rabbits. So livestock, small livestock, uh, by far is more calorically dense, actually easier to produce, in my, my humble opinion, um, uh, than the garden, but you got to have all of them. We, we got to have diversity. What what we're heading into is such a crazy time period. You really need to have a diversity. But starting out with those three, which is what I go over in more detail into the webinar, um, that'll get you such a firm base. So you'll be producing about half of your own food, and then after that, there's the whole world. You know, there's bees for honey and mushrooms, and you know, uh, goats and sheep and uh, home medicine and making medicine and there, and, know, that, and that's why the, the complicatedness of this uh, and how difficult it is is why <laughs> ladies and gentlemen marjorie's saying it takes a a community of people because look i can't learn to do bees and do honey learn to do the greenhouse learn to do everything I, can, I can't have everything i can get a start i can learn i can eventually specialize in something and then i can partner with my community to where you know what i'm going to trade you beef for honey or i'm going to trade you honey for candles or whatever the case may be that's why the community right marjorie exactly yeah totally one example is when i was living in red rock texas uh did a lot of homesteading there. that's where I homeschooled my kids and, and did a lot of homeschool uh, homesteading there uh it was just myself initially and uh we were raising you know we were, i was doing the gardens and the rabbits and the chickens and uh, we also had uh some beef cow um and we met one other family and they were doing of course gardens and, and chickens uh, but they had goats, and they were making cheese from that, as well as goat meat, and then he had bees and had honey. And so just with one other family, our culinary sustainability magnified, because now I had what I originally had, but I could trade him for cheese and goat meat and, and honey, right? And he was now getting access to rabbit and beef and other, you know, so just one other family that's doing this that's near you, it, it, it really magnifies what's available to you. So, uh, you know, I really think even if you just have a cluster of five families, that's a good viable, that's a, the beginnings of a good viable, you know, cell, a group of, of people. That, that It is, but a larger community of like-minded folks, though, you can't really just create organically. Too many people for too many reasons can't move, can't, uh, you know, go where you want them to go, do what you want them to do. And so you've got to, as Marjorie says, find out what do they do with their holidays? What do they do with their time and their off time? What do they do when there's no tourism or what, you know, do you have a tourism community or do you have a farming community? What are you looking at? And it's really under important to understand that. By the way, if you go to the living farm site, they have what's called the greenhouse workshop uh, on there as well that you can check out, Dr. Bradley. It's in my show notes. Uh, doctor, we never have enough time for any of the topics we cover, uh, but what else do you want to finish up with Marjorie regarding? Well, just, just please, if you will, Sam, in your show notes, put her contact information in terms of her websites, her programs. Oh, yeah, it's all done. So that, yep. Okay, so we, yeah. we'll we be able to go there and kind of do the links and stuff like and that. And what we'll do is we'll plan a Friday soon over the next couple of weeks, and we'll do two hours, and we'll have Marjorie with us. How's that? That'll work that for me. That sounds great. Yeah, let's do that. I really want to stress the urgency. Uh, you know, first of all, 
go out and buy some backup food. It's still really cheap right now. You can still go to Costco and buy 50-pound bags of this, that, and the other. They will shut that down, and they have done it already quite a few times just in the last decade of saying, no, you're only limited to buying this and that. But really, this summer, all hell is going to break loose on this planet, and the fundamental reason will be because of a lack of food. Uh, and you know, the I, other so- yeah. Go ahead, Marjorie. I, uh, I'm just going to reinforce what you're saying, but go ahead. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, I mean, absolutely get as much backup food as possible, but really the sooner you get started on, on producing your own food, and even if you're not producing the food, Go to the webinar to say, oh, my God, let's see, I'm going to need these, you know, I'm going to need this kind of fencing or these kind of materials to build these cages or to build this thing. That's stuff to stock up on, too, even if you're not necessarily going to do it today or tomorrow, because all of those supplies are going to go also. I, I'm serious. We, we really are. This summer, we're headed into uh, uh, the panic buying will begin, and you don't want to get caught in that frenzy. You want to have beaten it. You know, it's interesting. I've been saying for decades, literally, that they're getting us ready for a Soviet-style economy. And uh, you you see this on grocery store shelves. I mean, there's more and more empty spaces. I mean, whether it's a Walmart or a Costco or a Sam's or whatever, usually, uh, you know, not to, uh, to focus on only one, but certainly the mom-and-pop grocery stores. Uh, I've got a daughter that lives in a rural community, and, and they, you know, they got their own chickens and everything like that. And but anyway, they got a little grocery store that's oh, not uh, just fairly close in their community. Eggs went to twenty-eight dollars a dozen. And, twenty-eight dollars! Uh, oh my gosh! Wow! And and so I mean, it was one of those things. These little mom and pop grocery stores were having trouble getting them. Sure, you could go. Uh, we'd go to some place like a natural grocers or something. We were limited to two dozen eggs if they could get them. And their shelves were basically empty. And so. You know, they're coming back somewhat. All of this nonsense about avian flu and everything like that is kind of playing out a little bit. But the prices have doubled, you know. So, you know, it's it's just they're getting us ready for a Soviet-style economy. And uh, it's coming, folks. And uh, get ready. All right. Let me give you a couple of websites. Thelivingfarm.com for greenhouse information and more. Thegrownetwork.com is Marjorie's website. Thegrownetwork.com. Com, ladies and gentlemen, backyardfoodproduction.com is where you can check out more. Incredible free webinar available. Check that out. And then there's a couple of hundred dollar book and training series to help you. It's pennies, folks, but it can get you an incredible jump start on what you need to do to prepare for what is coming. Famines are no joke, folks. They're real. Thanks, Marjorie. We'll have Marjorie back and talk in depth coming up in a couple of weeks. Be ready for it. God save the Republic.